was Alexis Jordan with Happiness, and it just so happened to be written by today's guest, Autumn Rowe. A little bit about Happiness, it would go on to become a U.S. hot dance chart song. It would chart in about 12 global countries within the top 10. And the remix, which happened to have been created by previous, the original doll guest, Deva Day, would go on to become the 2011 World Cup FIFA song in Germany. So, Today, thank you all so much for listening to me. My name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is the Original Doll Podcast, where I unpackage music with the creators themselves, and it's also a charitable one. For every question, the guest answers items get donated to charity, so I want to thank you all so much uh, for being a part of this. Additionally, I want to tell you a little bit about Autumn Rowe. We're going to go into several of her songs, including songs with Kylie, uh, Kylie Minogue, of course, Little Mix, and... She also happened to have been the coach slash mentor for Britney Spears during her time on X Factor. So when you see Britney working with uh, some of her kids from the team and you see a beautiful woman on the side playing the piano or anything, that is Autumn Rowe. And she happens to be super fantastic. And you'll learn a lot about her working with Stargate, how she started in the music industry, and more. I want to give a shout out to my Patreons at patreon.com slash theoriginaldoll. Thank you so much to Tyler, Tommy, Max, Luke, Rami, uh, Linda, Rochelle, Rachel, Tinsley, so many people. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, But I want to let you know that in the next couple of weeks, we have some episodes coming out that you've been waiting for. We have Red is the Color. We have several other songs, uh, Pretty Girls and everything that we're going through with some of the songwriters and producers of. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, the original doll podcast, Britney Spears with James Rodriguez Horton. Make sure you get the correct, the original doll podcast about Britney Spears with me, your host, James Rodriguez Horton. So I'll stop talking. Uh, There's a lot of information in this, and I want to take a moment and talk about something that's important is during my time of doing this for, goodness, um, it's almost 70 different episodes um, at least, is one of the main things that I really liked is I've been able to talk to many people of color on the Original Doll podcast, producers, songwriters, artists, and more. And what I wanted to point out is that we need to look at this, and we'll go into this conversation with um, with Autumn today, but take a look at these, these songwriters, especially the people of color. Maybe you like Alexis Jordan Happiness, and maybe you say, hey, how do I support the songwriter? I do, in fact, share an email with songs that you can buy 
with physical copies that you can buy with YouTube links and everything. So make sure you follow me on the.original.doll on Instagram to get that. We want to support music makers and music creators, women music makers, people of color music makers. That's important to me to give back to the community. So I want to say thank you all so much for listening. Um, From the feedback I received, you're all enjoying this. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start this episode. Once again, my name is James Rodriguez Horton, and this is The Original Doll. The original I want to thank you so much for being here and, and chatting with me today on the original doll. Thanks for having me. So let, let's let's jump all the way back. So basically, the original doll. I talk with songwriters, music makers, creators, and we kind of go behind the scenes of these songs and and your journey of of songs because I know many people reached out to me and said, "Wait, I thought when I bought like." collide leona lewis that you know that autumn would be getting like 50 cents of it because she's a writer for each time it's <laughs> and i was just like no that's 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 no. not the way it is but we as consumers didn't know that if we're not in the industry of course so i always i'm like okay so let's let's i don't want to say humanize but let's get to know the songwriters because you're the people that we are like man that's i'm feeling that song right now like who was this and now Thankfully, Apple and some of the other platforms are really putting the names out there because before I did not know who the songwriters were unless I bought the physical copy. Right. It's an interesting one because before streaming, you would have known because you had a physical copy. But Mm -hmm. because of streaming, you don't know because they've taken away kind of why you would buy. It's like, it's hard for some people to... I mean, I have people like people I went to school with that I'm like, they, I want to support you. I'm like, okay, well, you could buy the album like on iTunes or just buy like we have physical CDs for some projects, and they're like, yeah, but I only pay you know ten dollars a month for my streaming service, so I just want to stream it. I'm like, okay, well, just be aware that that's actually like not really supporting me. So, no, cool. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. It's like I don't know when it happened in pop culture, and I only come at it from a consumer. I don't know when it became okay for us to go, yeah, I'll stream the song for free. I'll download the song for free. And that art means nothing, but you best believe I'll pay $30 to go see, you know, I was going to say like a name of it, I'm not going to say any movie, but like a Fast and the Furious movie. You know what I mean? Where yeah, people, yeah, yeah. You pay, yeah. And great. The, the movies that have soundtracks, get those syncs, get those cuts in there, make that money. But I don't know when it happened that people felt entitled to get music for free because it makes, makes no sense to me because- a song could have taken you 20 minutes to write, but it was mm-hmm. not that 20 minutes. It was the years of studying, researching all these. And I'm just shocked. So that's why I'm happy to be able to have this platform. You legitimately, Alexis Jordan, Happiness, was that your first big placement, big thing, would you say? Yeah, Alexis. So Alexis Jordan, Happiness, uh, I wrote that song, I think in 2009, Um Basically at the time I was working at a shoe store and um, 
I really felt sad. Like I want to do music full time, but I don't know why I'm not. And I don't know like what I'm doing wrong, you know? So I, I just started reading like self-help books and, um, the book that really kind of changed my life was A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And it just changed my way of thinking. So I started, I mean, when I say I worked hard, I worked dangerously hard. So I would, I was working a full-time job at a shoe store, like nine to six or 10 to eight. Those are the hours, 10 to 8.30. After the store, I would go to a studio, which was a two hour commute each way. I would write and record at least three demos a week. So that means I was getting home sometimes like, and I lived in the Bronx. So I was getting home like, you know, three, four in the morning to do it again the next day. I was also on the weekends in a wedding band and I had my own band. So I was so underweight because I couldn't even eat enough. I didn't have time to even eat enough to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I looked sick. Like my boss at my job took me to the side one day and was like, hi, I just want to say like, you don't look well, you know, are you okay? And I was like, I'm, I'm just working a lot and like, I'm doing everything I can. So a year into that job, I saved up a week of paid vacation. Cause you know, when you have a job, you have to like save up vacation days. So after a whole year, I only had like five days. Uh, Thank you, America. And basically like, (laughs) (laughs) we could do better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I said, I said, and I, you have to claim things. I said, I'm going to write a song this week so I can quit my job. And at the time I wasn't working in the room of producers because I was super unknown. And like, I didn't have a bunch of people wanting to work with me or anything like that. So I was, I got, I was writing to tracks and um, I was given this one track from a a DJ who I didn't know called Dead Mouse. This track was already out for two or three years. This wasn't a new song. It was a, previously released instrumental that I think did pretty well on like you know that scene and the rumor was like Kylie Minogue and Flo Rider and a bunch of people have given this track a crack but no one's nailed it so they were like uh what what do you want to nail it I was like well sure like let's try it (laughs) so um a bunch of people came in the room and were like you know I, at best, you could probably write a chant to this. Like, you're not going to be able to write a song to this type of track. And I said, well, let me be the judge of that. Don't tell me what I can do. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I just approached the track like any other song. Like, okay, what are the parts that could be a verse? What are the parts that could be a chorus? What are the parts that could be a bridge? And just with an engineer, I said, can you cut that? Can you cut that? Can you cut that? And um next thing I know, whatever the original was, now it sounded like a different track because it had like very specific parts. Okay, this is, you know, this is this is that. So the the original, if you compare it with uh, my version, it sounds different. So I then once I formatted it, I said, okay, now I'm going to write the top line. So then I wrote the verse, pre-chorus, chorus, and um, recorded it. the, The whole thing took about four hours. And then I heard it back. I'm like, not nah, this isn't good. And <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is. Cause it just, you know, in America, the whole like dance, I was, I was like a year ahead of the whole like yep. pop dance mm-hmm. craze, um, which has actually been a really good, but bad thing in my career. Cause I've, I was always ahead for years. And um, 
I don't know, I just would like gravitate towards things in Europe or other countries. And then US would be so slow. Now it's getting better, but it was just so slow for a really long time. And um, yeah, from the day I wrote that song, it probably took a year and a half at least till it came out. So I'm just still working at stores and living my life miserably. And um, yeah, when it finally came out, it, it just debuted at number three in the UK and it literally instantly changed my life and then became the song of the FIFA World Cup and just opened up so many doors. Well, and so how long did it take from that song to where you get it and you're kind of piecing this together, creating it until an artist, you know what I mean? And label says, this is what we want. How long did that journey take? Because that was during the time digital was coming up. So a lot of times files could be shared that way versus, you know, back in the day, here's the dat tape or, you know what I mean? Here's yeah, yeah. How long was that from when you were like, I feel good with it until ultimately it was cut and released? It was like a year and a half because it was originally cut on another artist and was going to be released in Asia. Really? And she recorded the song three times. And it's, it never was right. Um, and people, the people recording her, they were just like, you got to record her vocal better. Well, I said, but it's, she had more of a rock voice. Mm-hmm. And there was no way she was ever going to sing it the way it needed to be sung because it's really an R&B song over yep. a dance beat, you know? So it needed a more pop R&B vocalist. And um, it, it just was trying to fit, you know, a square into a circle vibe or yep. whatever, however you say that. And um, it didn't work. And she ended up having some weird issues with the label and then her the situation was over for that song. So now we went from, oh, it was gonna have this big release in Asia to now I don't have any artists. Uh, but I was actually okay with that because I just didn't feel like her voice was the right voice. And then um, the song got to Stargate and they met this girl off of YouTube who was singing songs, uh, basically singing a bunch of Stargate records. And they were like, you know, we're gonna sign her. And then they did a deal with, um, with Jay-Z starting a record company together called Star Rock. And uh, this song, Happiness, ended up being their first release. And that I led to me getting- I yeah. didn't know that part of it. Uh-huh, that was their first. And then that led to my publishing deal with Stellar Songs, which is Stargate's publishing company. And uh, at the time, EMI Music. That's amazing. That's something that you brought up that I don't want the listeners to, to skip over is- when you said like somebody's voice, it just doesn't work because here's the thing. The truth of the matter is you can have somebody that can hit all those notes, but it's about the tone. It's about the energy of it, where if it were more rock, it would have fit that artist. And it wasn't because this is why I think it's hard to pigeonhole you because it's just keep the vocals there. It's an R&B song just happens to be on top of this EDM dance beat. And that dance beat, was ahead of its time at that time. So you yes. have this kind of classical R&B sound mm-hmm. on top of this where it's like, it shouldn't work, but it did. It does, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's one of those things where it's like, I love that. And I think what's the common theme with all songwriters that I've talked to is everyone has a story where it's like, wow, it was going to be done this way. It was going to go, we're so far. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're back to the drawing board. And I think the first time you experience that is probably 
the worst time. And then as the years go on, you're like, yeah, just keep, keep, you know, creating music, creating music. It'll find its home. And it found its home. And it was like a number one dance hit here. And yeah. that song, I was just playing it recently too. still makes me happy. Just, <laughs> it's, it's one of those. And I have it on a playlist. And for the listeners, I share an Apple playlist with, with your cuts all on there. Aww. Some of your songs aren't available here in the U.S. because of what, what distribution, whatever it is. But people, like, there are some on YouTube that you can listen to and enjoy <laughs> it too. Because some oh. of them aren't on physical copies anymore. Or they were like, maybe it was a deluxe cut on the iTunes UK sort of thing. Um, and so let's let's go now to the song that that makes me smile. Like Swagger Jagger, Cher Lloyd. Because <laughs> Swagger she- Jagger. <laughs> It's like, well, and what's funny is those lyrics can still be present today. Can't stop tweeting at me, YouTube and me. Like that's still today. That is it still. Is. And so how did that come about? Because I know Cher Lloyd, I know the X Factor family, Psycho family, like that clearly there was the connection, but how did Swagger Jagger, because that song is one of those Avril Lavigne, bratty, just come at me and I'm here and it, I was here for it, you know, and I was like, what, that was like 2010, 2011. I don't remember what year it was. 2011, 2012. So I was like, I was like 30 when that came out. And I was just like, can't stop. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to hurt anyone's ears. (laughs) Get on the floor. (laughs) Yes. And and it was just so fun. So how did that song come to be? Because here's an example. Happiness, Swagger Jagger, you would not think there was the same people involved. And no shade to anyone. It's completely different different, Completely the, different. Tone, uh, the colors of it so swagger jagger well for one okay so a lot of my writing is very diverse um for one i my musical influences are all over the place but also like i cater to the artist so whatever fits that artist it's not about what what i want to do or what i want to say so like if Cher lloyd is is like because it's a rap singing thing then i'm gonna adapt to her style so i want to bring out the best result in whatever artist whatever genre, whatever is bright for them. But that, but Swagger Jagger came about. So basically, remember when I told you I got interviewed for the X Factor UK and I didn't get the job. Yep. Um, Salvin got the job. So Salvin was Cher Lloyd's uh, coach in the, X, in the X Factor, the job I didn't get. So after she left the show, he became her A&R. And Salvin asked me to write with Cher now as her A&R. So that kind of like came full circle. So they flew me to Miami to work with her and the runners. And this is crazy. So this was Cher Lloyd's first studio session ever. What? Her first session ever in the, in the like real Are studio. You... Yeah. Her first day we wrote Swagger Jagger. And, how... What, and it how, was... how was that though? Because you're, you're familiar with the studio, but also like 
you usually come in and there's somebody else handling this or doing this, but it's like, you're there for the the christening of yeah. you know, what would be her recording career. I love it. And I've actually been the first of many artists. We can talk about that too at some yes. point, but I've been the first or like top three of a lot of big people. And um, basically, yeah. So she came in, she was so, so, so shy. I mean, just like very shy, very quiet. And most of the session was kind of just her and I talking. Um, and, you know, she, I wasn't expecting her to like be super comfortable with writing yet. It's her first session. So when I work with an artist and it's their, and they're super early on in this process, I just like to, for them to talk and tell me what's going on with you. Like, what do you want to say? What's happening in your life? What's your story? Um, you know, and no matter how young they are, I completely believe they have very important things to talk about. So Cher just started telling me, she's like, I'm being bullied. Um, people will come to my show with bottles of urine and throw them at me. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, you know, she was, she was hurt. And I said, you know what, let's do like an eight mile. <laughs> and like how Eminem kind of like took it and flipped it. I was like, let's like, let's yes. not victimize this <laughs> and let's just like flip it on them you know, um, just their haters and they're jealous and you're still fabulous and let's just own it. Hits. Let's own it for all the, all the girls and boys and whoever is being bullied mm-hmm. out there, whatever age, whatever gender, whatever, um, you're not alone in this and let's just make a song for, for all of us. And that's basically what we tried to do. And, um, you know, I got the title Swagger Jagger from a gossip blog. Uh, at the time I was like heavily into gossip blogs and I was, we all were, we all were, (laughs) I I would read them in the morning for like ideas. And I saw this one article and it was like, this artist is, is like swagger jacking this artist. And I was like, swagger Jack. Okay. What if we do swagger Jag? And the producers, actually the runners were like, didn't want to use the word swag. So they were like, oh, we can't use swag. Like it's already played out. I was like, no, it's played out to y'all. But like (laughs) rest of America and the rest of the world, like my mom doesn't know it yet. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. played out yet. We got, we got some time on this word. So I pushed for it, to be honest. I pushed for it really hard and we ended up with it. And then Savin came in the room. So we had a different chorus for Swagger Jagger at first. Um, Savin came in the room and was like, you know what? Can you take a nursery rhyme and rewrite the course and I was like what never done anything like that like a nursery rhyme holy moly so I'm like okay let me find a free one so <laughs> I go to like Smart. public domain top nursery rhymes whatever whatever and I'm like half of them I honestly I didn't even know and I'm like I'm not trying to learn a new song right now in the session <laughs> I'm, it's already so much pressure you know I'm like yep. I've got to deliver um so I'm like, shit, let me just use something I know. And Oh, Clementine was like a song I, I knew. I was like, okay, I can work with that melody. And then, yeah, just was like, Swagger Jagger, Swagger Jagger, you should get some of your own. And then the song basically came about. Um, yeah, and that's it. It kind of wrote itself. And then we actually wrote two songs in that. The next song we wrote, um, The Monsters and Strangers were a big part of it. And that one is called... Um, Talking that. Talking that. And actually, it was only a bonus for like Target. <sighs> but 
I actually prefer talking that to Swagger Jagger. Like I love that song. The production on that song gives me like Missy Elliott vibes and I love it. Um, I really wish that song got more attention. It's, it's to me way cooler than Swagger Jagger. Well, and that's something where you could have so many great songs with one artist that you're like, there's one that you're like, if only, and that's the thing. It's like with songwriters, you have this much control over what happens, who markets, you know, what radio picks up or whatever. But this is what I love where I can ask the songwriters those questions like, okay, so, you know, talking that, like, here's the thing. Then it's like, hey, everyone, go find the Target edition. Was it the, it was the US Target edition, right? Yeah, it is on YouTube. It is on YouTube. Um, and, it's, I, it's a good dance one, man. Do, can, you, can you give us a little sneak peek of what the chorus sounds like? Oh, the chorus is like... So then let's go to Collide, Collide Leona yes. Lewis. Now that, there's a lot of people that know there was all sorts of drama with it. The 11th hour stuff, will it be released, will not be released. So from your, from your point of view, how was it as a songwriter? So this is your your story, your truth with this. Like, yeah. how did the song come about and how frustrating was the whole process? It was so frustrating for me. Like, so Collide, it's everything about this story just sucks. I mean, Collide was a song I wrote in my bed one morning to... I just wrote it, you know, I woke up one morning, I was inspired, I heard the track from Avicii and I just was like, oh, I love this, this is so beautiful. And then I looked up the original sample from Penguin Tree Cafe and I was like, oh my God, this is so beautiful with these strings and everything that the track was made from. And I wrote Collide, honestly, in 20 minutes, right? Um, it was originally supposed to be a feature for me because Avicii actually wanted to work with me as a feature artist. But yeah, so I sang the demo and, you know, it was a really actually hard song to sing even then. Um, and I didn't know what was going to happen with it. So then my publisher somehow got it to Leona Lewis. Now Leona and I are very, very close friends. But at the time we had kind of just started, just kind of met, just started working together. And um, so, so I heard she was going to cut the song. And I was like, oh, wow. Like I didn't, okay. this is turning into something even bigger than I thought. And I met with Avicii um, just to say like, you know, cool. I'm excited about the song. And when it came out, all of a sudden there was just all this horrible controversy. And for me, how it affected me as a writer, it honestly made me want to quit writing for a while because it was such a damper of like all I did was my job and I'm ended up in this like weird position where all these articles are going around about like just the the headlines were so misleading it was like plagiarism you know when you say plagiarism people can just assume oh I you I stole something where I wrote a hundred percent of those lyrics by myself and um it just was all like taken so out of context and everyone Everyone who was involved in that song was all in agreement of what was to happen with the song. Like there was mm -hmm. no zero shady business at all. Like 
at all. I don't do anything like that. Also, I'm just a songwriter. I don't even have control over anything. But yeah. like, there was nothing weird that happened. Um, I just think that, I don't know, somewhere along the lines, I don't know, you well, know. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, as, as, a, as a consumer, as a listener of that, and I mean, I love that song. I know reading articles at the time, it was like, it was trying to make this salacious. And I'm like, in 2010, 2011, whatever it was, there is no way that people did not know this song was being created and things. And it was the wording of it where it's like, how dare she plagiarize? No one ever contacted them. And I think it was like Avicii released a statement or whatever it was. And I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is kind of BS because as a consumer, I know they're not, especially at that time, you couldn't just throw a song out there and no one know what was happening, you know? And then some people create drama to get more attention on them. And so in my opinion, the whole situation in reading it, and and even if you read it in 2020 or 2021, you look and go, would this be a statement if that were a male artist versus a male artist? Yeah. Because that's the way that I felt it was. Um, And it just, it bothered me because I love the song. I love the melodies. I love Leona Lewis's voice. It just... It made me not like the Avicii camp based on yeah. everything that they were putting out there, that they were putting out there. Yeah, it was it was very unfortunate. And I felt really bad for her as well, because she was definitely getting attacked for something she did not do. And, you know, the Avicii situation is actually something that's like really, really sad. And I, the next time I saw him, Man, this is so shitty. So like the next time I saw him was in a club in Miami and I think Calvin Harris was DJing or something. And it was after ultra festival and I'm just sitting at the booth and I look up and literally standing in front of me is uh, Tim Berg. And um, I just had to go at him. I gotta be honest as a Bronx girl does when she feels disrespected and I didn't even realize mm-hmm. how angry I was until I saw we had literally a circle of people around us. And, you know, this was, these were all dance heads. So like they were aware of the situation. And once I saw like people were really watching us, I was like, I'm not trying to be like, I don't know, just like cast it as the angry black woman in the club. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, un- unfortunately, I feel like sometimes I try to like not portray that because that's what people want to assume sometimes about black women so I just was like you know let me reel it in and I never got to like talk to him after that and unfortunately that's the last uh those that's the last you know take conversation I ever had with him and it's really sucks because when I watched his documentary after his passing I felt like I got so much more perspective into what he was going through and how he was managed and the team around him. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if how much of that was really him. And I don't know how much he was very young. And I wish I could, I wish I could go in time and like have a conversation with him and just like fix it, you know? Yep. I really do. And I, I really wish we could have been friends and I really wish I could have been there for him and um I just I just wish his life wasn't 
so tragic, mm-hmm. you know? So like that story is just, it, it taught me a lot. Honestly, it did teach me a lot. And just being from the Bronx, you know, I can, I used to be a bit reactive and like, <laughs> you know, like, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're very like territorial, like, you know, but now I've, you know, matured and um, it's just made me see things very differently. So moving forward, it's like, if I'm in those situations, again, I just try to look at like my therapist, I used my therapist, he's amazing. And he told me something once he was like, you know, you want to see the whole world as if it's your child. Mm-hmm. So like, I try to just now look at things like, okay, what's really going on? Like, what's the really big picture behind this? And is there another angle of like empathy I can have? Or like, what am I not seeing? You know, and there was no way, I mean, especially like at my age, when that happened for me to like, and with the information I had to like, get a gist of what was really going on. Mm-hmm. But I just, you know, I wish so many things about that were different. Well, and it, it sucks because it's this, this traumatic story, all, all, all in all, the whole experience. I mean, if it made you want to go, you know what, maybe this is not my thing. Maybe I'm just done with it. That it sucks because had you done that, we would not have had all of your career and all of what you've done, how you've influenced music, had you just yeah. been like, you know what, throwing in the towel. And the thing is, it's so crazy to think this song, Global Smash, and then it was like tainted by this thing. And it was like, that's why I said it was like that camp. The thing is, in talking with different artists and songwriters is there's so, there's a village behind. It does take a village. And yes. sometimes people have their own ulterior motives. Mm-hmm. And the talent sometimes is told A, while, you know, this talent is told B. And they're like, well, we don't know how it got. And it's just like, it's a crappy situation because the song, and it's funny to think collide. Like, yeah, co- I know, like, right? <laughs> yeah, the irony. Like, you put it out there. You know what I mean? But it's, it, but it was such a great song. And Leona Lewis, I think, I can safely say is one of those superstars that I think everyone will know still for generations to come. Yeah. Because she's got the voice. And that's not the the, the only time you worked with her because you also had a cut no. on her Christmas album too, like Your Hallelujah, I think. Um, and some other stuff. And the thing is, the people that you've worked with, I'm just like, wait, what? Like, like, like let's even go more contestant things, Little Mix. And it was Little Mix with T-Boz. I, T-Boz, yeah. TLC, huge oh influence my in my life. Like there are songs huge. I want to be like... I wanted to do a whole episode on Silly Ho and people are like, what? Out of everyone, I'm like, yes. I'm like red light special, you know, yes. digging on you. So I know you've mentioned before that TLC played an influence on you. So how did this little mix thing come together with T-Boz and were, were you involved with all of those separate entities? Yeah, that was, um, so that was part of the, like working a lot with Psycho, with Simon Cowell. Um, one of the projects early on I was uh, privileged to work on was Little Mix. This was super early on. They didn't have any songs out yet and they were just finding their sound. And um, I was also writing with T-Boz at the time, just writing for pitch, writing for fun. We just like got along really well. And I, I somehow was like, yeah, do you want to work with Little Mix? And we wrote Red Planet and then she ended up, they ended up keeping her vocal featuring her 
And I thought, wow, that's awesome. Wow. So that's that's a different situation. So this song was a T-Boz kind of bit of work, a project. And then the little mix people were like, hey, we like this and we'll keep. Well, I so I wrote Red Planet, some of Red Planet um, with John Levine. And we did the chorus. I think I did, maybe I did a first first. I'm not, I don't remember everything that I did so far. And then we brought T-Boz in to like work on the verses or something like that. Maybe, I don't remember exactly how we did it, but the song was started, but I was writing other songs with her and we brought her in for this and she just killed it. I mean, her verse is so, it's just so dope. And it's that distinct voice, that energy that that she gives. And that's why when I saw that, I was like, wait, what? I'm so confused. T-Boz on Little Mix, because you, often you don't see like on a debut album or debut project, huge, well-known artist names no. as like, you know, as and of and feature of or anything like that. But what I like is this is the first time I can talk to somebody about a situation like that because there are some songwriters that I have coming up that had worked on a product that ended up being Britney in the end, but it was pitched to somebody else. And then that other person's vocals are like the chorus of, or they're to your point, the feature. So how did that feel though? Knowing that like, Hey, you got that, that cut, you know, with the T-Boz voice and then little mix, the anticipation of what that project would be was huge. Cause I believe they were the first group to win X Factor if I'm if I'm right I think I think so I think they were you know at the time it was weird like at the time so much was happening so fast for me like especially from just like coming from a shoe store I don't think I was taking in a lot of it properly I just was like okay now this now that now get on a plane and write that and things were just over my head and I wasn't really like savoring the moments Um, I would travel. I wouldn't like explore the country I was in. I wasn't, I don't think I was really present enough. I was going to say, it sounds like you weren't in the moment that you were just constantly going. But I think that that showed in your work ethic though, because you would work 10 to eight, take two hour trip just to get there, come back, sleep, because your body just ends up breaking down, sleep, wake up and do it again. That for you, it's a matter of, okay, I have this cut, but in knowing your story so far, you're not somebody that was like, you know what, I'll just let that go and I'll take a couple of weeks off and just wait for the next one. It's like you're constantly no. on the grind and everything. Yeah. Um, so you got to work in the studio with T-Boz. Mm-hmm. How was, I mean, how was that? Because that's an icon right there. She is an icon and she's so humble and she's so, she's just so incredible, so grounded, so talented. Um. I, I, I just felt incredibly honored to work. I still talk to her to this day. Oh. She's, she's just a wonderful person. I really admire. I'm, I'm just so blessed, honestly, to even spend a day with her. Yeah. Well, and, and what I love is in these stories and everything that you're, you're saying, it's like 
you have these relationships with these people where you're not just I'm in there out that there's a relationship that's created. Like when you were talking about the X factor contestants, the, the kids who are now adults, you know what I mean? That like, and I think that's something that I'm appreciating in just getting to know you in that, that you can't teach somebody to genuinely have relationships. Like you can't teach somebody how to be a listener and a speaker sort of thing. So I like this about you that I would have never known before because it's just like, it makes me happy because I'm cheering you on because you have the talent, but also like you're this good person. Like thank you You keep these relationships going. So thank you. So I want to keep, keep going down because I, like I said, I don't, we don't have enough time in the day to even talk about the, 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 the these big cuts and everything. So you worked with the Saturdays, you worked with Carmen, uh, Zendaya and Kylie, Kylie Minogue. Kylie. Yeah. Okay. So explain that situation because here once again this is where we in america we're behind on the love of kylie like oh everywhere (laughs) everywhere else is like her and robbie williams big names big names and even to an extent little mix you know anywhere else but then here in the states it's like Oh, I know locomotion. I can't get you out of my head. It's like hopping in for a moment to remind you to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And don't forget about Patreon, patreon.com slash the original doll. The funds that are raised help this podcast stay alive and stay afloat. As you know, many times we get some exclusive content and I'm able to share it with my patrons. And additionally, it helps keep all of our services going. The more content we get, the more space we need, the more servers, etc. And also, it's a way for us to even give back. There's options to give back to charity. So, patreon.com slash the original doll. Now back with Autumn Rowe. Okay, so let's talk about... Kylie Minogue that it was I think the kiss me once project I believe Mm -hmm. um and your sexy love well not your sexy love but yours (laughs) yes (laughs) okay so Kylie that's a funny story so Kylie this is a crazy story and I don't even know how much I should tell without all of it all of it asking someone all of it basically I was working on I was working on another project at at studio and the artist I was working with was very unappreciative that I was there. Mm. Um, Even though I had written her last three singles, she, she, she just was like, I don't, she basically told me she only wanted to sing dance songs that, another writer wrote who was a really big writer that I'm a fan of and I was like well but I'm the girl in the room right now so and I've written your last three ones so like I'm also a fan of hers but this is what you got so sorry (laughs) so it wasn't you know it wasn't very encouraging for me when she said that and I kind of just to be honest I didn't want to work with her anymore after that because I felt like she didn't appreciate me and I had literally wrote you know, a song we had been talking about this whole podcast and um, she just didn't appreciate it. So the producer I was working with kept running out of the room to work with another artist. And I was like, where are you going? He's like, I have another artist in the next room. I was like, who is it? He was like, oh, Kylie. It's Kylie who? He was like, Kylie Minogue. Is Kylie Minogue is here? He was like, yes, well, how do I get in that room? Like, I want to work with Kylie Minogue. Like she, she'd be great for these songs. Are you kidding me? So um, her A&R was there in the, in the lounge. 
And I was like, hi, like, I didn't know you were working with Kylie. I would love to work with her. How can I work with Kylie? So I just started putting my energy into like focusing on Kylie, thinking about Kylie. Um, I didn't work with her. I didn't even meet her that day. So I had wrote another song called More with actually this band called D Sound. Um, the drummer of D Sound, Kim, who now we have a song out with Macy Gray, but this was like a long time ago. And <laughs> we wrote a song called More. And I love this song. It's so cute. And uh, we were like, we got to get this to Kylie. We got to get this to Kylie. So this is a crazy story. So these guys are from Norway, right? We finally get Kylie to record this song in New York. The guys fly all the way from Norway to New York to record Kylie Minogue. She doesn't show up. She, but she's so sweet. She's like, something came up. You know, she's a busy, busy woman. She's like, I'm so sorry. I can't come to the studio now, but can you meet me in LA? So... <laughs> This shit is crazy. So we go to LA, fly to LA to meet Kylie Minogue, right? Book a studio again. She's like so busy again. And this woman, I mean, she's busy. Like she's not making it up. So like that same day, she did come to the studio. She was with Sia and she was with um, Diane Warren and then came to meet my little ass right so autumn row yes i was like equals yes (laughs) i was like i'm not worthy but thank you for coming but let me tell you one thing about kylie that there's a lot for people to learn from her so she came to the studio even though you know she was late and all this other stuff we did not care we were so happy she came she came knowing all the lyrics ready to record she didn't need to practice like she came ready to go got in the booth. She only had 20 minutes also to record, right? Records the whole song in 20 minutes, does a fantastic job. And I was like, you know what? That is a professional. And I know another amazing story about Kylie. She, she worked a lot with my friend, Matt Schwartz. And he told me an incredible story about her. He was like, when he was working on her album, like this was a couple albums before I kissed me once. Um, she came to the studio one day early and he like slept in the studio. He was working all night. She, she, he opened the door and he just looked like he just woke up. And she was like, why don't you go home, take some rest, change, shower, eat, and I'll take care of things. He left. She cleaned the studio, washed the dishes. Like, like who does that? You know? And he told me that story. I was like, this was before I even met her, I think. And I was like, that is a queen. She is truly a queen. So we tried to get her kiss uh, more. The song I did with Kim never actually made the album, but I went to Copenhagen for writing camp with cut father. And he had this great hook uh, written by Wayne Hector. And they were like, Oh, would you like to write some verses to this? I was like, I love this track. I love this hook. Yes. So I wrote some verses and then next thing I knew Kylie Minogue cut that song. So that's how the Kylie thing happened. But I have met her. She's super awesome. Like, and then I ran into her again at a Rock Nation party. And I was like, I don't know if you remember me. Like, she was like, of course. She was like, I remember you because you have the best name ever. And I was like, wow, I love Kylie Minogue. (laughs) Oh, And those, those, see, these are the stories that I love because 
it's not out there in the press that this is this is who this person is you know like and what i love is kylie minogue is kylie minogue no matter what she's still up there she's up there with janet madonna you know she's yes she's up there and i think that the the thing is there's a whole thought that you have to be this persona of this oh everyone do everything for me it's like she did somebody's dishes she cleaned the street she didn't have to she didn't have but this is what i love about like hearing these stories it's like you know what people in general like when you get to work with them in a truly professional setting, mm-hmm. you know, and what I love is that it's not, Hey, this is my project. Oh, autumn. Great. Great track. Now here's my name on there. I added a, Ooh, you know, I, no, added, no, no. you know, and, and that was something that I love hearing about because it's truly honoring the songwriters because the songwriters only get paid so much from the I songs know. because there's only so much that, you know, so I had a question for you though. For the listeners, you talked about flying to LA and studio. Ultimately, who pays for for that? Because I know there's no per diem for songwriters. So you no. go and you're basically working for free, hoping something gets cut. But how does that work? It depends. Some of my trips are paid for by labels. Um, most, A lot of my trips are paid for by myself. And when I say by myself, that sometimes means I'm paying up front, but that also means my publisher pays for it. But when your publisher pays for your trips, you are still paying for it with interest. So Mm. um, early on in my career, I didn't completely understand that. And I was taking an insane amount of trips. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a very expensive travel budget. And yeah, now I try to pay for a lot of trips myself just because I know what I'm paying. I know, like, I know what it is and I can control that. So I try not to... Uh, put too much on my bill anymore. But one other thing I, I, sh- I left out of that Kylie story, which is incredible. So when I was working with the artist and she said, I only want to sing songs by this writer, the writer she meant was Sia, right? And I'm a big Sia fan as well. So I was like, okay, um, this is such a crazy full circle story. So I started just writing songs, hoping Kylie would hear them. And about four months later, I get a tweet from Sia. Right, I thought she tweeted the wrong person. I was like, she can't possibly be tweeting me. So she tweets me, um, oh my God, I just heard your songs and they're so perfect for my baby, Kylie. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is so weird. And so Sia, the person that the artist didn't want to take my songs for to write with Sia. Sia was the one that took my songs to give to Kylie. So it's just so interesting how all that works. Well, and that's one of those things where it's, I look at, there's something to be said about songwriters who are advocates for other songwriters, you know, and that's something that I appreciate in hearing because you have, once again, Sia's not, Sia doesn't have to try to sell somebody else's song ultimately you know what I mean like she doesn't she Mm -hmm. doesn't have to do that no one has to but when you hear that it's like this is amazing and then like a tweet you know any communication it's great because that person is taking time out of their day to go you know what this is for you and several of the songwriters that I've I've talked to were just like you know what I didn't there was one Lindy Robbins who phenomenal she did like um 
we're, uh, we're good friends. Guys, gra- she's she's yeah. so she's so sweet. Where she was like, I know if I don't get it, I'm happy for my friend to get it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't meant for me to get this song. Yeah. Somebody else did it, and that's what I like. Where you have this, I think it's because to an extent, an ego is out of the conversation because you're yeah. all like. Because songwriters, you guys don't get like the immediate satisfaction right away of going, this is my song hitting the radio and I'm introducing it. Like that doesn't happen. You know, yeah. you have all these behind the scenes and it's the artist first that gets that gets known first and things like that. And I think I've had many people who reach out to me and said, I legitimately did not know that artists didn't all write their own songs to begin with. I, I know, assumed. people don't know. And I'm like, nope. And I said, with the pay songwriters thing, the giving songwriters their fair share, I think it's going to now bring the songwriters out there because this is the pool of talent that if I love your words, I'm following you to your next place. I'm following you to the next project. Um, And it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay to do that. But I love that. The Kylie thing, I love. So then she cut three of your songs? or She recorded two and released one. So when you get to hear... So this is something that I want to know when she cuts the song, you get to hear it. And then you're like, yeah, I'm excited. And they're like, but just kidding. It's, it's yeah. going to become the target exclusive only available on a Tuesday in March. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, you just pray for the single. Like that's all you can do. You're like, Oh my God, I hope I get the single because I, God, I wish I was a, a, around, you know, in the nineties to be like a writer where album cuts were buying houses, but we're just not in that time, you know, but you know, you can get lucky. Like I got really lucky with Ava Max, really lucky. So because, let's, let's yeah. jump to that because in this time, once again, like you, Kylie, Jesse McCartney, I'm like Grace Vanderwalt, like completely different genres. Yeah. You know? And then Ava Max, who is somebody that is like, still on that that you know they're still going up they're still ascending and which I love so how did you get involved in Ava Max with Salt? I got involved with Ava um through a friend named Gabs who worked with Dua Lipa early on and Gabs is just a, a really cool woman who is always like plugging me in or telling me about like new young artists new young female artists she likes uh, or is working with and um She's like, oh, there's this new artist, Ava Max, I'm starting to work with. You should work with her. I was like, I'd love to. So I, I met Ava and instantly just like fell in love with her energy. She has, she has such a, like a very, she's got a lot of light in her. Like when you meet her, she gave, I don't know why. And it doesn't make any sense because it's not what she does musically, but something about her energy in person and this doesn't translate online, but something about her energy in person gives you an early Mariah feel. And that's very hard to explain because it's, it's not what you see online and it's not in any of the marketing, but when you meet her, she's very different. She's, she's just awesome. So I just, I'm, a, I'm very much about the person and that's probably why my, the genres are all over the place. Cause it's just like, oh, I like that person. So like, let's, let's work on, you know, what's good for them. What? Uh, and I think it probably stems from the fact that you loved music growing up. And so your, your people that influenced you are all over the genres. Do you know all what I mean? Over. Yeah. And I think that, that that is telling of the school of education we received from radio back in the day. You know what I mean? Like when you would get these CDs and things like that. And so how did you approach, 
or in general, how do you approach when a song is going to go to a group or a solo artist? Like, how does that, does it change for you at all? Like from Little Mix to Ava Max? Um, yeah, for sure. Like for Ava, you know, actually for Ava, that title saw I had saved for like two years and I was waiting for the right date to write it, to be honest. And uh, I met Madison Love and told her about it. And she was like, oh, let's do it. And we wrote Saw, I'm not kidding you, in like 40 minutes. We wrote it so fast. And this sounds crazy. Amazing. We, we wrote it so fast because I wanted to go to the MTV Awards that day. I remember this. I had tickets and I never been to the Video Music Awards. And I was like, I really want to go to the awards, but it, I have to leave in three hours. So we wrote and recorded Saw in, in so fast. We even like had so much time to talk. And I went to the awards, didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, that was a cool session. You know, mm. I wrote with Ava a couple of times after that as well. And then forgot about it. And then, you know, Ava, the song was released on SoundCloud like a year later, nothing really happened. And then, uh, was it 2020? No, 2019, 19. December. December 2000, she released it as a Christmas boat, a Christmas gift for friends. It's like, Merry Christmas, my fans, you know, this is a song you guys could have. No promo, nothing, nothing behind it. It was just like, let's put it out there. I had no expectations. I was like, cool, that's nice of her. Um, holy moly, holy moly, millions of copies later, 1.5 billion streams. Yes. It charted in like, over 40 countries it has so many eight eight nine certifications i'm just like that's for fans like you know it wasn't huge in the u.s but it's i think it's done almost 500,000 copies still that's in the u.s huge. yeah and that's and the thing is i love your point of like there's like no no marketing there wasn't like we spent millions just to get millions on that and i think that that's she right now as an artist gets it, I think, mm -hmm. with what this new, because the thing is, it was because I know it was like before the pandemic. So I, th yeah. I was like, I think it's like 20, the Christmas 2019, where she didn't have to do that. She's just like, you know, let me just give you something. And then the fans devoured it. The you fans. Know? And, and even her and, and you have a cut with Dua Lipa, where she went beyond what I thought the consumption would be. People were yeah. that that first all this everything that was happening was like the right time um and it made me go yes there's still a demand for these songs where people want that you know what I mean people are streaming it and things like that so then how do you look at being a songwriter in 2021 versus 10 years ago oh, what has changed night what have and you day. learned night and day the things I've learned over the last 10 years my god I've learned so much for one I don't write every day. I don't even write every week. Now I write on projects and I write with people that I really believe in, that I really love. And I have so much more focus when I work on something. When I was starting out and even midway through my career, I was overworked. I was burnt out. And I thought that, you know, writing a lot of songs meant I was, I was working hard, but what it meant was I was work, I was diluting my work. And I was not, I was working hard in all the wrong ways. And I didn't, I didn't understand that. And it just took me a really long time to get it. So now 
you know, I might write twice a month. I might write eight times a month. I write, I might write 15 times a month, but it's, it has to make sense. So it's like, what am I working on and why, as opposed to, oh, I'm just going to take a bunch of sessions to feel busy. I don't need to feel busy anymore. So it's just, it's very, the intention behind everything has to be right. You know, it can't be like chasing a lot, the, a lot of the music industry, especially for writers, there's a lot of chasing, like, oh, I need to chase this project. I need to chase this. Now I'm more into developing, like, you know, I'm starting to develop artists that I, that I love, um, you know, the John, the John Baptiste project, that was, that was something we developed together. You know, that wasn't a thing, a label put together or. It is, it is so good. And guess what it shows because there's this soul there's this whole entity where it doesn't seem like there was a ton of people that were no in there going this is this is what you need so can we talk about that because as you can yeah. tell man okay so how did this how did this project come to be and how did it get to be where it was limited where you don't have you know there's not a ton of other co-writers on this no. project where it was a very much a small pool of people Mm -hmm. So how did that come to be? How did you meet him? How did this get, how did it go? How did this masterpiece get created? <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's a crazy story. So there's a song on the album called Sing, which I wrote um, in 2018. And I wrote that song based off of my Uber ride to the session. So on my ride to the session, my driver was saying, sometimes he just gets so frustrated and so fed up with life. He just needs to sing. And I was like, wow, that's, that's very inspiring, you know? And I got to the session. The session I had that day was a last minute, someone else dropped out the session and they just needed a writer. And it was these guys named King Garbage. It was super new, signed to Ricky Reed. And um, they played me a bunch of tracks. And to be honest, I didn't, I wasn't like meshing with any of them. So I was like, um, can I just write a song I'm feeling right now, like in my heart? And I never do this, by the way, like now I do it all the time. But back then that was something I like would never just start singing in a room. Like it was weird. Right. So I was like, I'm just going to whatever's coming out. I don't know what I'm doing. So I just started singing this song called Sing. And I don't know what I was. It was just coming out. It was very bizarre. And we recorded it. They had and um, we didn't have really have much of a track to it or anything. And then I forgot about it. I was like, that was probably shit. And like eight months later, I get a recording back fully produced with this New Orleans. I mean, this, the music behind it, the voice. I was like, who is this? Like, who is this man? <laughs> and they were like, John Baptiste. I was like, holy moly. And I, I'm telling you this, I have recorded and worked with so many artists, but I had never heard anyone take a song I've worked on and interpret it and produce it and perform it the way he did. Mm. I have never heard it done like that. And I said, something about this man, I, I, I'm supposed to make music with him. Like, I don't know, I don't know him, <laughs> but something about, this is the, honestly, when I heard what he did with Sing, I thought that was the best song I ever was a part of in my career. That's how I felt. 
I said, I don't know if this is a hit or not, but this is why I want to make music. This, this touches me in my soul. This is like, you know, I was heavily influenced by like Stevie Wonder and Carole King. And I'm like, this is it, Quincy Jones. So, so now how do I find John Baptiste? Right. So, (laughs) wow. I start hitting up you know, different managers and publishers, like, can you get me to this man? Can you get, no one can help me. And I'm like, man, how do I find this guy? So I just go and start DMing him on any kind of social media I could find that he's on. And months are going by, you know, I'm not getting any response. So now it's um, May 13th, my mom's birthday, and I'm flying to New York to surprise her for her birthday and Mother's Day. The second I landed in New York, John DMs me back. (laughs) I could not believe it. I was like, oh my God. So I see my DM, my eyes are like, he finally wrote me back. (laughs) And I was like, so I wrote him like, hey, I I heard what you did was sing. I'm just blown away. I would love to work with you in person. Like we just, we got to make some music. So he writes me back, like, let's work. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. I said, well, I actually just landed in New York and I'm here for like 36 hours. Can Mm -hmm. we meet? So he, um, the next day was my, I was taking my mom out for Mother's Day. So I, I booked a restaurant right by the Steve Colbert show. And I said, mom, I'm taking you out, you and your friend out for Mother's Day and your birthday, but I just need to step out for like an hour <laughs> and meet someone and I'll come right back. So I left it with a friend, ran over to Colbert. So this is crazy. The day I met John, mind you, I don't know him, right? All I've heard is this voice. And I just was like, this is the voice of an angel. So I meet him and he's dressed in full makeup and heels as Prince and a wig. Because <laughs> they're doing some Prince tribute. You know, I don't know if this is how he normally looks. So I'm like, this is like a little Richie vibe going on. You know, he's playing the piano. He's full of energy. I love it. And he's got makeup and the wig. And I'm like, okay, I'm with it. I'm like... <laughs> I'm here I for said, the ride. <laughs> I was like, listen, I don't care what you wear. I don't care what you, like when you sing and make music the way you do, you could do whatever you want to do. I'm with all of it. So we spoke for, for like an hour, um, played each other a bunch of music. And I was like, wow, like we have, you know, he played me some music he's, he's done in the past, which was unreleased and incredible. And I just was like, this man is so talented. Mm -hmm. I want to do everything I can to elevate his platform and make his message, help make his messaging more accessible. And just, he's a superstar to me. I was just like, you're a star. Like everything about you, you're just, you're a superstar in the best way. And in the way that people are not used to yet. Mm -hmm. The, The way people forgot real stars were you know i feel like john totally would have thrived in the days of marvin gay you know 
all, you know, the Motown era, like all that, he would have just been on top of the charts. And, and I'm like, let's do it again. Let's, let's time travel. <laughs> and it's so, and the thing is, it's, he's, he's one of those people that I think we don't have enough of, which is why we need to appreciate that because it's everything. It's the, 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 the lyrics, the, the sonics, the, the visual, like he has it all. And every time I hear something or see something, it's always like a genuine thing that I feel. I feel like it, none of it's this cosmetic. I'm just no. putting this on to fit the vibe right now. And I think that it, in the weirdest way I can say his album to me was not complicated no. by trying to be these, all these no. other current things. Um, and that's why it was like, for me to hear this, I'm like, this is amazing because it's such, it's going to be an important album in the music landscape. Just, I'm flat out saying yeah. that. And it's because it's like, it's, there's got this throwback feel and this future feel and it's, but I'm enjoying it in the moment. In the moment. Yeah. So how, when, when this project starts being created more and more, you know, with, was there a point where you're like, okay, we could keep going, but we need to like stop and just get this out because. No. So basically, okay. So we, we met, right. And we started texting like producers we should get with and just making a list of like, you know, go-to guys that we think could fit. And it was a short list because first of all, John is so freaking talented. Um, We need people to really like, it's a very fine line of like being incredibly musical, but then like being really great at production and understanding like, you know, somewhat of a commercial market. Like we needed the right, team to do this so there was like a short list of guys so I started reaching out to some of them but you know they're like oh I'll be free in three months I'll be free in this day so I'm like okay cool 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 so like maybe two months go by it's a Sunday night I get a I get a call from a block number and I'm like hello and he's like hey what's up let's work and I'm like who's this (laughs) he's like it's John I'm like that takes he's like yeah I was like oh, you're in LA? He's like, yeah, let's get to work. I'm like, bro, like I didn't get up. Like you didn't tell me you were coming. Like I don't have anything arranged for you. I was like, leave it to me. Okay. So I was like, okay. Uh, So I'm sitting next to my, I'll call it my music partner, my other half, Kizzo. And I was like, Kizzo, um, I know this is really short notice, but I have this artist in town. He is sensational. He's incredible. It's not like everyday pop though, you know? So I played him sing and I was like, this is the first song we've done, but I really want to take it further. So I was like, are you down? He was like, oh, absolutely. So Kizzo is incredibly talented. Like he understands classical music. He understands jazz. He understands hip hop. He understands R&B. He, there are no limits to what Kizzo can do. So, um, the next day, John came in. This is crazy. So the next day, John came in and we wrote Freedom. We wrote leave it we wrote another song and then the second day we wrote freedom 
we wrote Freedom on the 4th of July. And I remember that because we were invited to a barbecue and we didn't go because we said, you know, we were almost wet. And then we were like, Johns was like, you know what? Let's just go back to the studio and write a song. I'm like, always. And thank God we did because we wrote Freedom on the 4th of July. And, um, you know, we were like, this is so much fun. Like this song, we didn't know what it was really. It came so, like when we write together, it's so organic and it's so natural. And it's just like, it just comes out. So then we, once we did those two songs, we were like, there's something special in the chemistry of us three. John, like, how do we continue working with you? We're like, we're just gonna come to New York. Like we weren't, there was no master plan. There was no like, first of all, I didn't even understand he was signed to a major label, right? Mm. <laughs> I didn't know his manager. I didn't know any of the business side. I was just purely following the creative. Like, I just wanna make this music. Well- I was gonna yeah. say, I love it. It was like kids in a sandbox where it's like yeah. the adults are going over there and you're just in that moment. And that's gotta be like, that's gotta be freeing and nerve wracking at the same point. Cause you're like, wait, I know there's usually more people that have to be involved to do this and do that. Like, but it feels like you, like, it was like that perfect musical soulmate. Like you two oh, were just like, soulmate. we're here yeah. for it. Oh. We're just here for it. And I just, yeah, it's like we just flew to New York uh, on our own money and we we just believed. I mean, we believed. I believed in John so much. I I would I remember at one point, this was like way before we are came out. I was just going around telling people like I bet the house on this man. <laughs> like I will bet it. If I had this much money, I would put it all on him. Like I would invest the whole label in him. Like he is the one. He's the one. This guy could be huge. He's just he's the best. So, um we flew out there and we basically created the blueprint for we are and we wrote we are show me the way i need you um and some other songs which i don't know if anyone's ever gonna hear them but we basically created like i hope the- so i hope so if not you better send me some like we transfer files so i can be like <laughs> when i'm having a bad day i'm just like listening there's some fun ones in there um and we just created this like sound and this kind of blueprint for what we wanted to say and um you know a lot of it a lot of the music we write it feels like it sounds so weird but it just feels like we're writing from experiences from like our ancestors and experiences from things that we just like inherited you know which was like what it's like to be black in America and just so many things that I've wanted to say in music and didn't have the way I didn't have an artist or I didn't have an outlet to do it and just things I've been keeping inside and emotions and you know the album is very joyful but I think a lot of people need to understand that that joy also comes from pain and uh it's 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 not just all ah you know super happy like Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of deep-rooted pain behind freedom and deep-rooted you know pain behind a lot of things and um but it's it's how we how we choose to deal with it and how we choose to express express it and I just something about John we just were on that wavelength you know at that moment in time and I don't know if if God sent sent me to him for for this reason because I definitely feel like it was a spiritual thing and um 
it was something like, I don't even take credit for like writing any of these songs with him. I just feel like I was, we were, I was able to receive it and translate it, you know, but like, I'm just grateful, honestly, because I, I this was the album I always wanted to make, you know, always, always, always. And there's, there's no pop song that's ever going to make me feel the way it is to make a body of work that expresses like who you, what you want to say as a human on earth, you know? Well, and what I loved is that it was, it's like a storyteller's album because like whether the lines like, you know, in the ghetto, there's a lot of stars or, you know, and, and you just go, damn. And the next line, and then you go, damn. And then you're just going through. And I think, what I love and now everyone that's listening get are the are the lyrics in the the vinyl do you know I assume you know what I've been too scared to open it don't don't open it don't open it don't open don't don't open it but I'm I'm assuming because usually that's like what the insert for the vinyl holder is but this is one of those albums that people can just put that record on and if the lyrics are there really take it in because I can love the music just based on the music and just zone out, not pay attention to the lyrics. Then you fall in love with it on a deeper level because of those lyrics. Then you fall in love and go, this album, maybe it couldn't have been made five years ago for whatever reason, you know? Yeah, whatever reason, like when we wrote it, and this was before the height of BLM, but we, like that summer of 2019, I was super already feeling like very anxious and very, I felt the BLM tipping point about to happen. You know, even though for whatever, a lot of the rest of America didn't see it yet, but like we completely felt it. And that's that's why we wrote We Are, you know, like just to express like, you know, nobody's invisible, we are seen. And if, you, if you're choosing to live your light and live your life in the light and, and give that energy, like, then you are, you are a golden one, you are a chosen one. And that's, you can be, you know, you can be as light as you want to be and just share, share joy and share love and share peace, but, you know, still, still fight for what is right. Um, One really great thing about the album though, is Quincy Jones writes a beautiful letter to John in it and about the album and, Honestly, like having Quincy Jones involved in the project was like winning a Grammy to me because I just like Quincy Jones, Diana Ross, Michael Jackson, you know, I can't really think of more influential people um, musically. Like without Quincy Jones, I don't, I probably wouldn't even be doing music right now. Like I just, just from listening to the music he's made, you know, has influenced me so much. So like just to have him involved was such an honor and I when John sent us the letter he wrote like months before you know the album packaging he just sent us the the letter from Quincy and I read it and I started crying and I was like oh my god like I just can't even believe Quincy Jones even listened to this music let alone like felt inclined to write a letter about it (laughs) that's the part that's different never knowing who's listening to it but that he was so impacted by it he that he took time to communicate that which doesn't which doesn't happen a lot especially with these musical heroes with these people that I mean he shaped pop 
music and pop culture. Like he was a part of that. And when you just have that, where these icons, these legends take the time and it's like, wait, you know what, you know who, you know this, I wait, what? Like you actually listened to this? Like I wrote, you know, and it's the whole, like, can't believe it's happening. But then just to have that, that note that really soothes the soul because all these stars aligned and at any point something could have messed it up and it could have just not happened. That alignment was there. The struggles that you had, the struggles that John had, like all these struggles that everyone had standing on the shoulders of the generations before and being privileged enough to be able to have the talents to communicate that with the people at the receiving end, like me, I have no musical talent whatsoever. I can't, I don't, I'm not great with communicating, but I can put on the songs and like songs that you've written and just like, let you put that hand on my shoulder, let you take me on that journey with you. And for that, you know, the, we're all thankful for, we're thankful for you, the songwriters that are able to communicate in such a way that hits us, whether it was 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago and 10 years from now. So thank Thank you for that. No, thank you. And honestly, thank you for doing this. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a girl from the South Bronx. I grew up in the projects. I grew up incredibly poor. Um, I love that you're helping these women out here because, you know, my mom was one of those women, you know, we were, we were homeless for years when I was a child and I never, I always knew, this is so weird. Like I knew at like four or five years old that writing was what was going to save me in my life. And I always knew I was going to be a writer. I didn't know I would be a songwriter. I thought I was going to write books or something, but um, I had no idea, you know, you could write songs for a living, but like women, women just need to see other women doing things that would be seen, you know, labeled as impossible. And women need to see other women that look like them um, just making things happen, you know, because I didn't have a lot of those examples growing up. And even now, like, I don't feel like there's enough of that going on, but just to anyone who's listening, like you can do anything you want to do at any age. Like you're, there's no limit, like, because like, let's say like, let's say you're 45 and you want to start, you know, a new career, start it. You know, um, I just heard this quote the other day, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So just do it, do it. Like if I can do anything with my life, you absolutely can. Because like I had everything stacked against me. Like it, I mean, it just was like laughable (laughs) how bad it was, but you know, we here, you know, we're in here, we're doing it. You know, I didn't finish college. I dropped out after one semester. I knew it wasn't for me. And I just decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make, make it in music. I didn't get my first break till I was 28, which was happiness. And, um, a lot of people by 28 think, feel like they're old, which they're not. (laughs) I feel Mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, I missed my chance. Like you haven't missed anything. We have to understand as humans, we just don't have the foresight and the, the ability to see what, what's life really is because we can only see what we've known and very short sighted ahead of us. But like, we have no idea the scope of things and how pieces are being moved. So like, just go for it, believe in yourself and put your, put the energy out there that 
you can do whatever you want to do. You absolutely can. Like you are a miracle because you're still here. And I'm sure many people believe in maybe many times you felt like you wouldn't be here, but you are, and you're here for a reason. So I just really want to encourage any of the women that you help out to please just don't give up on yourselves and anything, anything honestly is possible. Oh, I love it. Well, I want to end it on that because that's just, once again, you're the writer who helps us comprehend everything that's going on. You're the person that helps us on these journeys. So I want to thank you. Thank you for spending, you know, this time with, with the original doll and, and with the listeners and you have a lot of fans, you have a lot of fans. So even on your worst day, there's somebody who's dancing to happiness or somebody who's like jamming out with T-Boz and Red Planet, like, and the John Batiste, like, I cannot explain the impact already the album has had on me. Thank you. And it's because you're here. So you're also the miracle in this. So thank you so much, Autumn. Um, and then if anyone wants to find out more about you, how can they, you know? Yes. Uh, you can go to my website, which is autumnrow.com, A-U-T-U-M-N-R-O-W-E.com. Um, I've just started a little blog on my site where I am posting lyrics. If you want to see like the original lyrics to some new co-writes that I have on or old co-writes. Um, and I just update events that I'm doing. A lot of them are online. And I, up to, I have a playlist with all my recent work on there as well. And uh, my Instagram is at Autumn Row. My Twitter is at Autumn Row Music. I'm super accessible. Like I, I write like everyone back. I'm just super friendly. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. And I will be sharing all of this and with the, the listeners that I have, I'm going to be sending out an email with links on how to purchase some of these physical copies. Thank you. I mean, your music is amazing. So thank you so much, Autumn. Thank you. When I get CDs, I'm going to send them to you because sometimes I get CDs and I don't have a CD player. So I'm just going to send them to you. That would be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Autumn. And for everyone else, go ahead and make sure you subscribe, follow the.original.doll on Instagram or www.theoriginaldoll.com. We have a lot more coming up in the next few weeks with uh, some Britney Spears collaborators and more. So be sure to be on the lookout and see you on the flip side. The original doll. Yeah, yeah. Don't you want my iconography? Don't you want to stay in and follow me? Don't you want to aim for the stars and see? Don't you want my iconography? The original doll.